Hello, everyone, and welcome to After the Final Whistle. I am your host, Brad Clear, and we are recording this in the middle of the afternoon on Saturday, June 16th, a big day in the wrestling world, the first of two days in a row with big-time WWE shows. We are hours away from tonight's NXT TakeOver Chicago show, and we are a day away from tomorrow's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So this episode is solely going to be me previewing the two shows, running down the card, and offering my predictions. And let's just get right into it. We're going to start off, since it's in about five and a half, six hours from now, NXT TakeOver Chicago, the second annual. I'm going to run down the five car, or five matches on the card, offer my predictions, get some insight and analysis in there as well. So let's start it off with the women's championship match, uh, the NXT Women's Championship at NXT TakeOver Chicago. Shayna Baszler defending her title against Nikki Cross. Uh, I'm excited for this match. I love how it's been built up. Shayna is great. I love her as the dominant bully heel who just reigns and destroys over the entire division. I think she's really grown great into her role in the ring. She's become very, very good. And her overall persona and how she carries herself and her tone and manner of speaking. You know, is she this greatest promo in the world? No, but she doesn't have to be. She's a badass. You know she can kick anyone's ass. And when her music hits, when those horse hooves start moving, you know that shit is about to go down. She has that aura around her, and that's exactly what you need. She is so good in her role. And then there's Nikki Cross, the best part of the Sanity Stable, which was advertised to debut on SmackDown after the Superstar Shakeup. Maybe in time they will. We shall see. Um, she's great on her own. I loved how when Sheena and Dakota Kai had their little thing going on, Nikki was sort of, you know, when are you going to fight Sheena? When are you going to fight Sheena? And then she came out after Sheena beat Dakota Kai. And she had uh, Dakota Kai count the pin, and she's outweirded Shayna and all this stuff. I think it's a great, great foil for Shayna Baszler. I think the match itself is going to be great. Nikki is awesome. As I said, Shayna has gotten great at to this point. Um, obviously, my prediction here is Shayna retains the title. Shayna is going to be champion for as long as she remains in NXT, which is going to end up being, I'd be stunned if it's not up until... WrestleMania, uh, the Raw or SmackDown after WrestleMania next year. She's going to be champion the whole time. She's retaining the title here, which should be a very good match. And I think as a whole, this is a bit of a side note from the match between Baszler and Cross. The whole, as a whole, the NXT women's division is in a really, really good place right now. You have your dominant heel champion, Shayna Baszler, um, Nikki Cross as this crazy, awesome, crowd-loved babyface. You have Kyrie Sane, who is just awesome and is the, one of the most lovable baby faces there is. Uh, Candice LeRae, when they will, you know, when she is away from the Gargano Champa stuff, is fantastic. She will be a big part of that women's division. I'm gonna totally butcher the name here. For the Mae Young Classic, they just signed oh, Io Shirai. Shirai. I, I just I butchered the name. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've watched two of her matches, both fantastic. She's gonna be great in the Mae Young Classic and eventually in the NXT Women's Division. Lacey Evans, who I saw when I was at TakeOver Philadelphia, actually wrestled Nikki Cross. It was like a five-minute match where she didn't get a lot of offense in. But as we've seen in her series of matches over the last couple weeks with Kyrie Sane, Lacey Evans is becoming one of the best heels that they have. She has great size, a fantastic look. She's very athletic, and she's really getting into that heel, you know, 
self-absorbed, you know, holier-than-thou lady of NXT thing she's got going on. I'm a huge fan of hers. And then there's Bianca Belair, who in my mind, if you look at the NXT women's division right now, and you have to point at someone and say, this is a home run prospect, this is my next Charlotte Flair, my next top women's division uh, wrestler, that's Bianca Belair. I think Bianca Belair is going to be the one who eventually beats Shayna Baszler for the title. She has every tool, size, speed, agility, power, athleticism, and she's got a great persona around her. She takes no shit. She knows she's the best. She's confident, cocky, and she'll step up to anyone. She is a star. She's the only one in that NXT Women's Division who has, you know, top woman potential. She's going to be NXT Women's Champion at some point. Got off on a sidetrack there, but as a whole, the NXT Women's Division is great right now. I didn't even mention Dakota Kai and Nick, and well, now she's named Tegan Knox in the NXT Women's Division. Two, as we saw with Dakota Kai, she's kind of that Bailey mold of babyface. And then Tegan Knox, I think, is great as well. She has not gone on to NXT TV in a prominent role yet, but I'm sure she will soon. Enough about the NXT Women's Division, though. My prediction is Shayna retains over Nikki Cross tonight in a good match. Moving forward, we have Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era defending their titles, the tag titles, against Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, the ones and twos. I am so happy for Oni Lorcan. Oni's this guy who gets in the ring, and every single time he's in there, you know he's going to have a barn burn of a match. He kicks ass, he gives it his all, and the people love him. He just, he's, a, he's just fantastic. He is such a good wrestler, so good in the ring, and he never really got the opportunity he's gotten to at this point with Danny Burch and this tag team, where they've basically been the top TV feud on NXT TV since TakeOver in um, April um, in New Orleans, where the Undisputed Era versus him, Danny Burch, and Pete Dunne, he's getting the spotlight. He's getting that TakeOver match, and he deserves it. I am so happy for him, and the same applies for Danny Burch as well. Um, obviously, the Undisputed Era retaining their titles here. They are basically the top act on all of NXT television. They're keeping all the gold they have for a long time. I know Adam Cole is not defending the NXT North American Championship on this show, which points to the depth and the talent, um, mass amount of talent that NXT has at their disposal right now, but that's a different story. Uh, you look at this match as a whole, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan, four guys who are incredibly good in ring. Roderick Strong, to me, over the last probably five, six months, four, before five, six months, He's got to be one of the best in-ring guys that there is in the world. Oni kicks ass every big t- every match he's given the opportunity to. Kyle O'Reilly is a treasure with how he is in the Undisputed Era. And Danny Burch is a hard-hitting, take-no-shit style guy. This match is going to be great. It's going to be stiff. It's going to be hard-hitting. Roderick Strong and O'Reilly retain for the Undisputed Era. I'm sure Adam Cole and Pete Dunn will get involved in some way. Maybe Bob, probably not Bobby Fishbone. He's a torn ACL. But maybe he'll be there. Who knows? But this will be a good match. Done, or excuse me, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly retain. And even though they're not going to get the W here, Oni Lorcan deservedly being on a takeover card for the first time. That is awesome. Shout out to Oni Lorcan. He's the man. This match, if not for the match I'm going to get into next, would easily be the match of the night. This is going to be a fantastic match. I can't wait for the Undisputed Era versus Birch and Lorcan. Next match we're getting into is, I am so highly anticipating this match. Ricochet versus the Velveteen Dream. 
Velveteen Dream is my favorite guy in NXT. He is awesome. He's fantastic. He, he's just everything about the Velveteen Dream is awesome. And you hear the reception and the reaction he gets every show he's at. That's a common feeling and sentiment. And then there is Ricochet, who can do things that no human man should be able to do. The build to this has been great. I liked how um, on Ricochet's first promo, Velveteen Dream came out to steal the spotlight. Then they teamed up to try to go at Lars, and Velveteen Dream still turned on him. And then the best part, the last segment they did, where Velveteen Dream came out after Ricochet uh, beat uh, Chris Dijak in a match on NXT TV, saying anything Ricochet can do, the Dream can do better. To which Ricochet responded by doing... A dive over the top rope where he did a full 450 front flip and landed on his feet. That's ridiculous. How can any human man do that? This match is awesome. It's a battle of two guys who think they're better than the other. I'm not a Dave Meltzer guy by any way, but we talk about how you know matches are five stars or whatever. This is going to be a five-star match. This is going to be the match of the night, and this is going to be one of the best matches that there will be seen throughout the entire 2018 calendar year in professional wrestling. I cannot wait for this. This is a dream match. Two incredibly talented athletic performers. Ricochet, again, a high flyer who can do things that most humans cannot. Velveteen Dream, every single match he consistently delivers at a high level. There is no way that this is anything less than what is seen or rated as a five-star match. As far as who's going to win... I'm going to go with Ricochet on this one just because it's his first singles takeover match. And at this point, Velveteen Dream in an NXT sense is kind of Teflon where no loss is really going to damage him at all. I think Ricochet takes this one here. I cannot wait for this match. This is probably the most anticipated outside of the first Gargano Champa match. The most, the most highly... I guess, excited and anticipated match for me in all of NXT this year so far. Moving along now to the NXT Championship match, Aleister Black defending the title, his first title defense uh, at TakeOver against the monster, the freak, Lars Sullivan. I am a Lars guy. I know a lot of people are not, but I think Lars is great. He's got that, he's just a great prototypical monster. He, He can hold his own in the ring. He very much can, and he only gets he gets better every single time he's out there. There's a presence to him. That music hits with the scream, the little piano, and then the dirt, 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 dirt on the guitar. You know something is about to shit's about to hit the fan. Something or someone is going to get fucked up. Lars Sullivan has that presence and monstrous dominance about him. And then there's Alistair Black, who, as we know, is the top guy of NXT, and he himself personifies everything NXT is about. A great all-around in-ring wrestler who has a metal vibe to him, has that screamo music, he's edgy, he's cool, he's unique, he's different, and he kicks ass in the ring in every single way. He personifies NXT. He is, you look at guys, you've heard Triple H talk about how Elias was a main roster guy, and there's guys who are NXT guys, and there are guys who are main roster guys. I don't know what Aleister Black is in the main roster, but if we talk about NXT guys, he is the prototype NXT guy. I think Aleister Black, he is no, there's no way he's losing his title in his first title defense. But at the same time, 
Lars Sullivan is going to be protected to an extreme level. Real name Dylan Miley. Lars Sullivan's been with the Performance Center for like three or four years at this point. And he finally got to this opportunity. And his first singles match on a takeover. Well, it's not. I take that back. But his first NXT Championship match pretty quickly after his TV debut on a takeover. He's going to be sort of what they do when Braun Strowman loses a big match. Like at the Elimination Chamber this past or in February. When Braun Strowman lost to Roman Reigns on the final fall... He destroyed Roman after the match, you know, to get his heat back in because he's brawn. He got to protect him. He's dominant. Alistair Black will win, but Lars Sullivan will destroy Lars or Alistair Black after the match, just so he gets that heat back, that overprotection, that dominance. Where sure he's gonna lose, but he's gonna get brawned afterwards. Where he's gonna dominate and destroy to the point where you don't even remember that loss and you just realize, holy shit, Lars Sullivan will fucking kill you. That's what you're gonna get from that. Um, I, I'm very interested to see how the match turns out because they have not been wrestling each other on NXT live events. And it's a very, you know, size contrast, style contrast. Someone who's super experienced in Aleister Black, someone who's not as experienced in Lars Sullivan. I think it'll be a good match, but it's, I'm very intrigued to see how it goes and how each guy uh, performs with the other, what chemistry that they have. And moving along, the big-time match, Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa 2 in a Chicago street fight. I like how they've built up, or they've made the storyline go to the point where Johnny Gargano has kind of become, in his own way, a psycho killer himself. He had that big brawl with uh, Ciampa on the last NXT TV, or it might have been the one before that, where he beat the shit out of Ciampa on the stage to the point where he bloodied the hell out of him put him in the um, in the Gargano escape, and he's ruthless. And we saw the thing with Candice LeRae where Gargano had the contract signed and how she basically told him he's becoming what he has never wanted to be. He's stopping at nothing to destroy Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa had the segment where he called out Gargano, and Gargano came out, and they ended up that Ciampa knocked Candice LeRae off of the ring apron and injured her. I love how they built it up. They've added a little bit of a layer to it because... I initially was not happy or excited about the idea of this feud continuing past their match at TakeOver New Orleans, but with how they've added a little bit of extra layers to it, I kind of dig it, and I'm okay with it. Um, as far as outcome, there's only two options here. One, Tommaso Ciampa gets the win, and they do the third match of the trilogy, the blow-off match at TakeOver Brooklyn. They both tied 1-1. Ciampa's won a match. Gargano's won a match. Settle it all at Brooklyn in the last match in a steel cage or a three stages of hell or a hell in a cell or some sort of, you know, big time stipulation match ending type of match or feud ending type of match. And then there's the second option. A few weeks ago, when Johnny Gargano got the contract for the street fight against Tommaso Ciampa, he came out and announced it to the live crowd during an EC3 match. EC3 is not on the TakeOver Chicago card. I think there is a possibility that EC3 comes out to screw with Gargano, Champa wins, Champa moves on to challenge Alistair Black, and then Gargano moves to feud with EC3. I'm going to go with the first option of Champa winning, and then they have the blow-off match at Brooklyn to end their trilogy, but do not be surprised if the EC3 route is the route that they go. Outside of the five matches, um... On the TakeOver pre-show, you know, Pat McAfee will be there again with Adam Cole, baby. 
uh, who he has some beef with, so that should be fun to check out before the show starts. Um, I expect Keith Lee to be in the front row. Last year, we had Drew McIntyre in the front row. Keith Lee is signed to NXT for all intents and purposes. Obviously, though, it's not publicly announced, but everyone basically knows it. He's had his independent wrestling farewell tour. I expect him to be there in the front row. They have not done that uh, since the TakeOver Philadelphia in January, which was awesome because, you know, you had War Machine or War Raiders now, Ricochet, and EC3 all show up. And being in that crowd, it was electric when those guys showed up. But nonetheless, NXT TakeOver delivers every single time, and I do not expect TakeOver Chicago to be anything different. Should be an awesome show. Again, running through my predictions, Baszler retains over Nikki Cross, the Undisputed Era retain over Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Aleister Black retains over Lars Sullivan, with Lars Sullivan getting his heat back with an attack after the match. Ricochet over the Velveteen Dream. Champ over Gargano to set up the third match in their trilogy. And that's tonight, in a few hours from now. And moving on to tomorrow's show, one of my favorite WWE pay-per-views of the year. We got Money in the Bank coming up tomorrow. We got a 10-match card Two Money in the Bank ladder matches, title matches, other matches. Let's just get right into it. Each of the 10 matches will go from top to bottom. So we have the kickoff show, the Bludgeon Brothers defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against Gallows and Anderson, the Good Brothers. We all know the result here. Obviously, the Bludgeon Brothers are going to retain their titles. The Bludgeon Brothers are dominant. They've beaten any challenger that stepped to them. Gallows and Anderson are just a stopgap kind of filler feud to get Bludgeon Brothers onto the takeover, or takeover, onto a pay-per-view card, get them that pay-per-view payday, even though it's a kickoff show match. Ultimately, I think Sanity has to be, you know, your big whoa challenger to the Bludgeon Brothers or the Bar because they've already been the Usos and the New Day. The Bar are heels, but they could easily be made baby faces because they're so beloved. But either way, those are your two endgame tag title feuds for the Bludgeon Brothers. They're not losing in a kickoff show match to Gallows and Anderson. I like Gallows and Anderson, but that's all this match is. It's just a filler uh, match to get the titles defended on pay-per-view because they were not defended at Backlash. So Harper and Rowan. Harper's awesome. I love Luke Harper. He's fantastic. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers retain their titles over the Good Brothers in this kickoff tag team, SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. Moving on to the main card, the first match I'm going to go into is Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. This feud has been absolute shit. Sami Zayn with the sisters, with the obstacle course, with the apology letter, and then Bobby Lashley is a totally just flat, no reason to get behind robotic babyface who really doesn't get much of a reaction whenever he comes out there who's best suited to be a bully heel as we saw in TNA or in the Brock Lesnar mold of this dominant badass with a mouthpiece who can do all the talking for him. He's not going to succeed as a babyface. They're really, hopefully we'll see after this feud ends and realize that, that Bobby Lashley as a babyface is not the way to go. But this feud has been terrible. You know, Sami Zayn's doing what he can. He's got that annoying heel uh, persona down pat. He's got it great to an extreme level. But this feud has been terrible. All of the segments, whenever they come up week to week, they're the segments that once they're advertised, you groan at. And I am not someone who does that. I love watching Raw every single week. I don't complain. I watch and enjoy, and that's what you should do. 
but this has been terrible. Lashley will get the win here, and I'd be stunned if this is not the end of what has been or what was a terrible, terrible feud. Um, they really need to go to the drawing board with Bobby Lashley because as a babyface, no. As a heel, that's where it's at. You get Stokely Hathaway as his manager. Stokely Hathaway, a prominent manager in independent wrestling for Evolve and other promotions. Or you just make him a bully, dominant heel, badass. That's where it's at with Bobby Lashley. He's too flat as a babyface, and there's no reason to really get invested in him or care about him. He's getting the win here, as he should, and he will. And hopefully this feud, as I just mentioned, will be laid to rest for good. Moving on to the next one, Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass. Now, before I get into the preview for this match, I think one thing that strikes me about Big Cass is I don't really get why he or why he is being positioned or they're trying to make Big Cass this big-time top heel star. If we're looking at big man types in the company, I feel like Baron Corbin and Big Cass, Baron Corbin being the constable on Raw and Big Cass feuding with Daniel Bryan, I feel like the two of them would be better off if their roles were reversed. You know, Big Cass wearing his suit, being the shit, uh, shithead troll, you know, who's always there to, to screw with Kurt Angle on behalf of Stephanie, and Baron Corbin, this big man bully to, um, to feud with Daniel Bryan. I think they would be better in their roles switched. I think Baron Corbin is a better all-around guy than Big Cass is, and I think there is more in Baron Corbin than there is in Big Cass. I don't really get what there is about Big Cass that warrants giving him consistent promo time every single week on a show that is pretty small and compact and condensed to the point where not a lot of people get mic time. Big Cass gets mic time every single week. Big Cass gets a segment every single week. They're obviously committed to making Big Cass a thing. And look, he has stepped his game up. He's gotten down the idea that he's this big guy who relies on his size and is a bit insecure. And I love when he comes out and he puts his head up and he puts the fist up and he just does that shit-eating grin and bops his head side to side. He's got the whole big guy troll to the crowd thing down. I just think that there are better options to put in that high-profile role to make them a star. Last year with Jinder Mahal, it was fine. Jinder Mahal is an absolute star, stepped up in the role, and is great. You know, Jinder Mahal looks like a star, carries himself like a star, and has a presence like one. You know, there's nothing about Big Cass outside of his size that stands out to you. You know, his look isn't really intimidating. He's got the shit troll, the shit eating troll thing down. His look isn't really intimidating. He's not like a big built guy. And in the ring, he's fine. He's, he's solid. He's average. But it's nothing special to write home about. Obviously, if you wanted to improve and become a big time star, who better to put him with than Daniel Bryan? Um, looking at this feud, Cass already lost to Bryan. Extreme Rules is the next pay-per-view coming up. Doesn't that not seem like a great feud-ending pay-per-view to bring this to? I think Cass is winning here. You can't have Cass lose twice because there's no reason to have a third match. And with SummerSlam being right after Extreme Rules, it doesn't really make sense to end the feud here do another small feud, and then get into the SummerSlam feud. Cass will get the win here. People will complain online. Whatever. Let them do whatever they want. Let them complain. Cass will get the win here. And in terms of allowing it to get to a third pay-per-view, 
it's fine. Cass gets the win. They go on to Extreme Rules where Brian will get the blow-off win for the feud. And hey, you know, maybe Big Cass will eventually improve to a level where he is a consistent, worthy top heel. But at this point, I just think there's better options. Um, but nonetheless, I think Big Cass will take the win over Brian in this match. Moving along to our next match, we have Carmella defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Asuka. This past week on SmackDown, Asuka tapped out Carmella clean. Asuka's not winning the title after tapping out Carmella clean on TV days before. There have been a lot of rumblings in the last couple days about a potential return to WWE by the one and only James Ellsworth. I think that's a very possible and real um, possibility. I think it's very real, very possible and potentially could be what's happening. But regardless of if James Ellsworth comes back or whatever, Carmella is retaining in some screwy way. Whether it's by DQ, whether she does something cheap and heelish or whatever, Carmella is not losing this title here at Money in the Bank. And especially not considering the fact that Carmella or that Asuka tapped her out clean on SmackDown this week. Um, I think Carmella's done a really good job in this role. I think I look at Carmella, and as far as overall aesthetic and presentation and look, there's very few characters or people on WWE TV that have that look and aesthetic down. You know, Carmella, she's got the high ponytail, she wears the J, she got the watch on, she got the choker chain or the choker necklace. Um, she's got sort of like this uh, kind of like hype beast kind of clothing thing going on. But at the same time, she's like very well put together. It, it, her total presentation look and aesthetic is very well conducive to her character persona and gimmick. Um, I think she's great. I love her in this role of just this insufferable, overconfident, but really a chicken shit heel champ. Um, I like that they really gave her a run with the title. And it's going to last, I think, you know, at minimum till Extreme Rules and at maximum till SummerSlam. Nonetheless, she's getting the win here over Asuka in some screwy cheap way. Maybe Ellsworth comes back. Who knows? Last year at Money in the Bank, he's the reason she won the Money in the Bank briefcase. So who knows? But I'm a big fan of Carmella's work. She's retaining the title here over Asuka by heelish means. Moving along, we have our fourth match on the card, Seth Rollins versus Elias for the Intercontinental Championship. Seth Rollins is the hottest thing going in all of WWE right now. He comes out there, the crowds become electric. His matches are must-watch every single week. The crowds hang on every single word on his promos. There's no guy in WWE who has the momentum, the firepower, and just really as a whole is just clicking on every single way like Seth Rollins is right now. I love Elias. The guy is the man. He is the truth. He is fantastic. Seth Rollins is winning here, as he should. He is going to be that Intercontinental Champion. He's going to retain the title here over Elias. He's going to continue being one of the highlights, if not the highlight of WWE TV every single week. He has so much momentum behind him right now and is a true number one babyface in terms of how he performs, how he's supported, and his entire presentation and everything. You know, he's the perfect guy right now. There's nothing off or flawed about Seth Rollins at the current moment. He's retaining this title. After money, uh, at this match at Money in the Bank over Elias. Going to our other top notch or top raw match. This is a match a lot of people on the internet will groan about, but me, I am super excited for this match. 
And as soon as he got, as one of the competitors got to Raw, this is the match I wanted to see. Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal is awesome. Roman Reigns is awesome. Roman Reigns is one of the best wrestlers in the world. You cannot like him. You cannot want to cheer for him. If you don't believe those things, you are in denial. And you're letting bias get in the way of reality. Roman Reigns is one of the best all-around wrestlers that there is in the world. He delivers match after match after match with any type of opponent. Jinder Mahal is a great non... He's, he's this great heel of the type where there's no cool heel vibe about him. It's just, I'm a heel, you hate me, I hate you, I'm going to beat all your favorites. He looks like a star, he carries himself like a star, he looks like a million bucks, and he is just the perfect heel. In this match, though, I, I think it's going to be a good match. I'm very much looking forward to it. I kind of like when Roman Reigns works from over as opposed to from under, but with how good Roman is and with how great of a heel Jinder is, I think it'll click. The only thing that concerns me is I could very well see the Chicago crowd turning on this match based off of who the competitors are. Um, I, it's going to be like a big, brawling, hard-hitting match, and it could very well be the first of two pay-per-view matches leading into Extreme Rules next month. But again, there's a very strong possibility I see of the Chicago crowd just not being into it whatsoever, letting their sentiments about the two wrestlers get in the way of what actually is going to be performed or go down in front of them in that ring. Roman is going to get the win here. I'm sure of it. Um, Jinder, whether it's after the match, whether it's on Raw, whatever, will do something that allows the feud to continue to get that match at Extreme Rules before the SummerSlam uh, Brock Lesnar Universal Title match kicks in for Roman most likely, um, but this I think it'll be a good match, and I'm looking forward to it. I have been ever since Jinder got to Raw. I have wanted to see Jinder and Roman one on one on a pay per view card, and we're getting that right here. Can't be happier. Roman gets the win. I don't care what the live crowd reacts to. I don't care what people's sentiments are all over the place. This is going to be fun, and Roman Reigns is going to get the W over Jinder Mahal. All right, that brings us through about five. That brings us through five or six. That's five matches. Five matches on the Money in the Bank card. Let's go to SmackDown Live. The tag team championships. AJ Styles. The tag team championships. What am I talking about? Going to SmackDown Live. The WWE Championship. AJ Styles defending that title against Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match. Their fourth match on pay per view, so to speak, since WrestleMania, including the Greatest Royal Rumble. Um, Nakamura's got to win the title here. Turning him heel, having this drawn-out, long, prolonged feud with AJ Styles, for it to go this long and for it to end now with Styles just getting the win over Nakamura, it's very damaging. I think Nakamura's got to win the title here, and I think he is going to. I think the last man standing stipulation allows you to get creative in how you can have your top guy babyface AJ Styles lose. And I think it allows you uh, to really get as much as you can out of the heelish ways of Shinsuke Nakamura. I think as a whole, they've had good solid matches outside of the WrestleMania match. The WrestleMania match was a huge disappointment, but it has not lived up in ring to the incredible hype and expectations that I myself 
and basically everyone else had for Styles and Nakamura feuding for the title in WWE. Um, but I think Nakamura winning the title as a heel here allows you to have the rematch at Extreme Rules. At Extreme Rules, you can have Nakamura win you know, with heel shenanigans. You could have another person who's going to feud with AJ Styles going into SummerSlam like Samoa Joe, end up costing him the match, whatever it is. Nakamura wins here, retains in the rematch, can take it to SummerSlam against Daniel Bryan, and then Styles can go off with Samoa Joe. You get Nakamura a three, like a two-month title reign in there. You legitimize him as a heel because he finally won the WWE Championship, and you get to another highly touted, highly anticipated match in him versus Daniel Bryan, um, which will lead into my men's Money in the Bank prediction, which is coming up next. But I think Shinsuke Nakamura will become the WWE Champion after this last man standing match with AJ Styles. Um, and I'm interested to see how good this match goes because I would like to say that this is going to be a great match, but at the same time, we've seen from the past matches that the, uh, the two have had, WrestleMania was a miss. Their SmackDown TV match to determine the stipulation was great. Grace Royal Rumble match was decent. The Backlash match, eh, wasn't that great either. Remains to be seen how it goes, but I think Nakamura becomes your WWE Champion, and quite frankly, he has to become your WWE Champion to have him be a legitimate top heel on your roster. Moving along here, we got three matches left. We have the two Money in the Bank matches and our Raw Women's title match. Since I just mentioned it, let's get into the men's Money in the Bank ladder match here. We have, from SmackDown, The Miz, Rusev, New Day. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Miz, Rusev, New Day. And who's the fourth? Samoa Joe. That's right. Um, and then from SmackDown, or from SmackDown, from Raw, we have Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Bobby Roode, and Kevin Owens. I think as a as a whole, you look at the field of the eight competitors, it isn't necessarily most conducive to a ladder match setting with high-flying athletic guys. It's a lot of like you know, brawling types or big bruising types. You know, you have in the new day, I'm sure that they'll have it where since they don't technically announce who's in it, all three will get involved at different points within the match. But, like, you know, you have Kofi and Xavier, and you have Finn Balor. But outside of them, you know, Braun Strowman, you know, the most power guy that there is. Samoa Joe, power guy. Bobby Roode, Miz uh, is a slow technical type. Kevin Owens and Rusev, the sort of, like, big brawler type. Um, so I'm interested to see how this match goes. I think the women's field is more conducive to, like, the match of a ladder match setting itself than the men's field is. As far as the winner of this match, it's got to be the Miz. If you look at the future for the title pictures for the Universal title and WWE Championship, that Raw Universal Championship, it's going to be the Roman Reigns show. No one's winning that title besides Roman Reigns in this calendar year. You look at SmackDown, as I just mentioned, assuming AJ Styles loses to Shinsuke Nakamura, you can bring Daniel Bryan into the title picture. The Miz-Daniel Bryan feud is the money feud, and they absolutely know it, and they're holding off on it, waiting until it's the right time. Imagine The Miz winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. And at SummerSlam, Daniel Bryan finally gets the WWE Championship back after years of being, or after years of not having it, after having been retired 
and finally he comes back and he reaches the mountaintop again, only for his top nemesis, the mids, to steal it all from him in a cheap way with the money in the bank cash-in. The story writes itself. The Miz should be your winner. He's going to be your winner. If I had to say anyone else has a possibility, I think there's an outside chance at Samoa Joe, but I don't really see Samoa Joe needing to have a Money in the Bank briefcase with him. Um, he just see, it just seems like not beneath him, but for the type of badass guy he is, I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't really mesh with him as well and I feel like with Miz the story potential is ready made with Daniel Bryan and there's no reason to not capitalize on that I think the Miz is getting the win here as far as within the match itself I'm very excited for how everyone will team up on Braun I think they could do some really fun stuff with all three guys in New Day trying to combat Braun and take him out I think that would be a lot of fun I think there's a potential for some good stuff to be seen in this match but as a whole I just don't look at the field of guys in this match and think, wow, this is going to be a classic, awesome ladder match, Money in the Bank ladder match type match. But we shall see. The Miz is going to be your winner, your Mr. Money in the Bank, and that's going to allow you to get to your Daniel Bryan-Miz feud for the title. SummerSlam, September, wherever, carry you through the fall. Miz is your winner for this year's Men's Money in the Bank, in my prediction. Now let's move to the women's side. I feel like the women's Money in the Bank field is very much just very wide open. Now you look at the Raw side, you know, Ember Moon, Natalia, Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, and on the SmackDown side, Charlotte, Lana, Naomi, and Becky Lynch. There's no one that you can look at like you can in the men's match with Miz that screams, you know, money in the bank winner. I think you look at it by process of elimination. If the SmackDown brand gets the men's money in the bank briefcase, and you have an inter-brand Money in the Bank pay-per-view with two briefcases, wouldn't it make sense to put the other briefcase on the other show? That's what I think is going to be the case. And you look at the SmackDown participants, Charlotte is going to be taking time off after Money in the Bank, and the Money in the Bank briefcase, you know, it's beneath someone like Charlotte. She doesn't need it. Lana's not winning it. Becky Lynch, I would love for her to win it, but she's not going to. Neither is Naomi. I think there is a better than 0% chance on those two, but I think they both have a very, 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 very slim chance of winning that briefcase. You look at the Raw side. It's too soon on Ember Moon. I think Ember Moon is great, obviously incredibly athletic and just awesome in the ring, but I think more needs to be done with her and getting the crowd to actually, like, you know, care about her and connect with her because she kind of just showed up on Raw and the only time she's talked on TV was when they had that big... They did a 5-on-5 five five tag or a 4-on-4 four four tag one week as the Raw main event. And they all went around saying some stuff about the match. And she said something quick. And then she did an interview on TV after she qualified for Money in the Bank. So, like, she's cool and she's awesome and she's a babyface. But there's no real, like, who is Ember Moon? Why should the fan care, fans care about her? That needs to be more focused on and uh, driven or dove into. Too early for Ember Moon winning this. Natalia, there is a possibility, considering the tomfoolery and shenanigans that could happen because she's Ronda Rousey's friend. You know, if Stephanie gets involved with Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey, maybe Natalia wins the briefcase and wants to challenge Rousey for the title. So I think it's a there's a chance with Natalia as well. Um, you look at Alexa Bliss. There's always a chance with Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss is made to be a heel champion. However, she has basically been, she was champion for basically a year on the Raw side and then was champion 
for a significant portion of her SmackDown Live uh, tenure as well. I think that there is something to seeing what she can do outside of the title picture, keeping it a little fresh, getting some new bodies and faces in there, and having her do something else for the time being. Which brings me to who I think will win the Women's Money in the Bank briefcase, and that's Sasha Banks. I think by having Sasha Banks win the briefcase, it gives you some sort of potential of, you know, you can do some interesting, cool stuff with Sasha and Bailey. You could do some stuff with Sasha as far as, you know, her being heelish and babyface, and she's kind of in that gray area. I think her versus Ronda, um, well, that's kind of a spoiler on who I think is going to win the Raw Women's title, but her versus Ronda I think could be great. I think that would be an awesome match. And I think Sasha Banks is someone, for as much as the crowd loves her, as big of a star as she is, she needs to be in that title picture. She has not been there for a while. It would be a fresh face in the title picture. Something new, but something incredibly exciting and fresh as well. I think this is going to be a really good match. You look at the women's side. Charlotte, Sasha, Ember, Naomi. Those are four incredibly great in-ring athletic individuals who can do crazy stuff in this match. Um, I really am interested to see how Lana does. You know, I am a Lana proponent. I've been a big fan of hers as a singles wrestler. I think she should have won the SmackDown Women's Championship when Natalia won it uh, at the end of last summer into the fall to get the title from Naomi to Charlotte without having Charlotte beat Naomi. Um, but yeah, like you look at this field of competitors, it's perfect for a Money in the Bank ladder match. And I think this is going to be, I think the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match has the chance to be better than the men's, as I mentioned, based off of the field of competitors. But nonetheless, I think Sasha Banks is taking the women's money in the bank briefcase, taking that to Raw, as The Miz takes the men's briefcase to SmackDown. And then moving on to what I think will be the main event of this show, Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship. Look, I think you basically, there's just get the title on Ronda Rousey. You're, that's the end game with her anyway. And if the rumor of her only having a one-year contract before she goes to have kids is true, you want to get the most out of her. And even if it's not true, you still have no reason to kind of just, you know, bide your time and do a bunch of filler stuff with her as opposed to just making her the marquee name. She already is the biggest women star in the entire company, and especially on the Raw brand. Just give her the title and just get on with what your intentions are. She's ready. Her WrestleMania match was fantastic. Albeit, that was in a tag team setting. She has not had a one-on-one match yet. She's done great at the live event matches. If you see the YouTube clips of her European tour tag matches where she teamed um, with Natalia and Ember, I believe, were her tag partners. Um, But I think Ronda is great. I think you may as well just get the title on her because that's the end game. And she is incredibly good already. May as well just have her develop and become as good as she possibly can in the greatest role possible. Obviously, it's not to the extent of making someone completely new, but it's the idea of, you know, you want to get better, you have to compete and be put in the highest possible spot. Um, there's like, What's the point of waiting around and doing stuff with her and Natalia or Mickey James instead of just having her win the Raw Women's Championship? There's no point to that. There really isn't. Because... Even though it provides card depth in having the title be elsewhere and her being an attraction to allow multiple feuds within the division and depth on the show, she's the top woman on the brand, 
and having her as the dominant top champion who everyone steps to and she beats challenger after challenger after challenger until Charlotte Flair wins the Women's Royal Rumble and that becomes your main event of WrestleMania, I think that's great. And having her win the title in July to hold that title for almost a year, that's perfect. Nia Jax is great. Um, they obviously did not fully commit to her as a babyface, you know, with the whole... Um, you know, be comfortable in your own skin, babyface type. They had her do that basically walking PR campaign promo at Backlash, and the crowd booed it and basically shit all over it. She's now in that gray area now where she's a babyface, and then she kind of becomes a jerk to Ronda. Um, I'm interested to see how Ronda does with a larger competitor, you know, because we saw her with Stephanie and in those clips on YouTube from the European tour. She was wrestling, you know, people like you know, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, you know, people who are her size are a little bit smaller. The appeal in Ronda is when she can throw people around, take them down like it's nothing. We'll be interested to see how this match goes, but regardless, I think Ronda Rousey becomes a Raw Women's Champion in the main event in, of this pay-per-view. I think this is going to be a good pay-per-view as a whole. Money in the Bank, to me, is one of the most highly looked at for me pay-per-views of the year i love the money in the bank ladder match it's super exciting and it adds that briefcase element in for the rest of the calendar year or into the early part of next year i think that's always fun to have that element in the background so that's my predictions preview and analysis on nxt takeover chicago airing in a couple hours and money in the bank airing tomorrow once again i am brad clear your host of after the final whistle thank you all for listening more episodes coming all throughout this summer regarding the NBA, free agency, draft previews, offseason stuff and whatnot, wrestling, baseball, football, you name it. If it's relevant or interesting, there'll be a pod about it. Keep checking keep checking here on podcast.com and on iTunes for more episode. Once again, this is after the final whistle. I am your host, Brad Clear. Shout out to you, the listener. Shout out to Oni Lorkin. Shout out to NXT. Shout out to Money in the Bank. And as always. Goodbye and good night.